You know, not so long back, just a few days ago, really, there was uh, terrible storms in the United States. Uh, hundreds of miles of tornado devastated countryside in Kentucky and uh, so many people's lives lost, livelihoods destroyed, homes destroyed. But I was encouraged by one story. A man went back to see his house after the devastation and his house was largely destroyed, very little of it left including his piano. Uh, some of the keys gone, badly damaged, but still playable. And so in the midst of all that destruction, he gave thanks to the Lord for his life and played some worship music on his piano. What a story. What a testament of grace. When all your worldly possessions have been wiped away, you can still give thanks for the main thing. Amen? I hope that encourages you. If perhaps you've been feeling low, perhaps the storms of your life have been difficult. They could be worse. But yet, even then, we can give thanks. Amen? So this is why it's marvellous for us to study the incarnation, to study what God has done in sending his son. When we ask the question, who is this child? We're not left with no answers. We're not left going, well, some people say he was a great teacher. Some people say he performed miracles. Some people say we can say because we have God's word. We have the testimony of the apostles. We have the truth of revelation. He was God incarnate. God himself come to visit us, come to save us, come to set us free. Yesterday we started a mini-series that we're doing this weekend, Christmas Day. We looked at the truth of the incarnation as uh, the Apostle John revealed it in his Gospel, chapter 1. How Jesus took on flesh, became one of us, but not just another one of us, the first of a new family of humankind. Just as Adam had led us down a path of misery, doom and self-destruction, so Jesus heralds the dawn of a new day and a new age. He provides atonement for all our wrongdoing. He heals us of our wounds, both ours and those that we've inflicted on others. And he empowers us to begin a new book through a newly fulfilled covenant. Let's continue to be amazed at what Jesus, fully God and fully man, came to do. I've got three points for you this morning. If you're someone who likes to take notes, you'll be helped uh, to remember. Firstly, sacrifice. Secondly, sovereignty. Sacrifice, sovereignty, and servanthood. Sacrifice, sovereignty, and servanthood. We're going to look at three different scriptures to help us. Uh, so the first thing is sacrifice. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. We read these verses yesterday. They should hopefully be already familiar. 
Hebrews chapter 2 and verses 17 and 18 tell us. For this reason, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement or propitiation for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. You want to know why Jesus had to take on flesh? You want to know why God couldn't just go, you're forgiven from heaven. Issue a decree. Okay, no more sin. You're all forgiven. Happy holidays. That's what the world would like to hear, isn't it? Just a simple forgiveness. But God is pure and holy and he wants to declare and reveal his glory to the world. He will have justice. But the beauty of the gospel is that he will have justice through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ fullness of his revelation see jesus's mission the work that he came to do at the cross is inextricable from his coming to complete the work that his father gave him was the reason he came he didn't come to be cooed over in the manger you know, I've recent, in recent days I was invited to join this Facebook group which is all about mummies and daddies and little bundles of joy. I'm not quite sure why I got invited to join it as someone who's already a friend of mine. But I thought to myself, I can perhaps gain some insights into how people who, who are unchurched are thinking these days. Okay? There's some wonderful pictures of some beautiful babes, but my heart breaks at the thought that they might not know Jesus. My heart breaks. And so let's be salt and light in the world. Yeah? Both in the in the in the present, face to face, but in every interaction that we have with other people, let's be salt and light. Jesus didn't come just to be a, a, a cute baby in a manger. He came to work, he came to serve us by going to the cross and completing the work his father gave him. So we acknowledged his full divinity, didn't we, yesterday? But just acknowledging his divinity is not sufficient. We must also acknowledge his humanity and that he came to save us from our sin. He came to make a way back to God. A post on social media this week from Chris Hernandez, a church planter in the United States, said, Don't stop at the manger. Follow Christ to the cross. Dear friends, a cute little babe in a nativity scene may be heartwarming, but he cannot save us unless he becomes the servant king of the Jews, agonising and dying on the cross of Calvary. Let's look at Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. Second Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. For, this is Paul to the church at Corinth. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus' work at the cross. 
It's not talking about material wealth. It's not talking about becoming rich in worldly terms. It's talking about knowing the blessings of heaven, dear friends. The treasures of heaven that do not fade. They will never rust and they can be never stolen from us. Friends, this is why he came. This is front and centre to our mission to understand, to know and to declare before the world the purpose of that babe in the manger. To reconcile all things to the Father on high. Friends, he came to die. Came to die willingly because of love. Because of a desire to reveal his glory to the world. A glory that the world never knew. That we never knew until he graciously meets us and stoops to us. But Jesus is king, as I've already said. So let's look at sovereignty for a moment. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. You'll be helped if you've got a Bible to flick between these uh, passages. Philippians chapter 2, 5 to 11. Paul writes to the church at Philippi, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We saw yesterday, didn't we, looking at Psalm 110, that what it means to call Jesus Lord means to call him King. King Jesus. And he is sovereign. We just read from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The rich became poor. King Jesus, in all his majesty and glory on high, stooped low to become poor. That's the kind of king he is. He consistently, throughout the pages of Scripture, throughout the testimony of the Gospel accounts, and isn't it wonderful how we have four Gospel accounts? Amen? Four different perspectives and angles from the different apostles, and yet they ring true with the same message, the same Saviour, the same wonder. And throughout, Jesus consistently demonstrates he's, he's fully and incontrovertibly divine. Do you know what that means? Incontrovertibly. It means you cannot deny it. It means you cannot argue with it. There's plenty of arguments going on in this world, aren't there? There's plenty of challenges. But friends, on that day, there's not going to be anyone putting up their hands saying, Sorry, I protest. Jesus is incontrovertibly divine. His very birth... As we saw yesterday, the eternal word becoming flesh. The nature miracles 
his very power and authority over creation, even raising the dead to life, his authority to forgive sin, something which resulted in numerous attempts to stone him for blasphemy. His breathtaking authority and understanding of the scriptures. Remember this story. Remember this account from Jesus' life. Aged 12. My daughter Rebecca turned 12 in October. Jesus, aged 12, stayed behind at the temple in Jerusalem for several days. Certainly at least four days he was there in the temple. And we're told in Luke chapter 2 verses 46 to 47 that Jesus was listening and asking questions of the religious leaders. Children. In other words, he was an excellent Bible class student. Okay? Maybe that's your resolution for 2022. Be an excellent Bible class student. But don't just be a Bible class student here. Be a Bible class student at home as well. All right, children? Say, yes, Pastor Ben. I'm going to go home. I'm going to ask mum and dad what they're going to teach me from the Bible in 2022. Please do that. They were, uh, Jesus was listening and asking questions of the religious leaders. But what's the most amazing thing about that account there? What's the most amazing thing? The most amazing thing is that Jesus, those who heard Jesus, age 12, were amazed at his understanding and his answers. We're told Jesus was listening to the religious teachers and asking them questions. It doesn't say that people were amazed at their answers. It says that age 12, people were amazed at Jesus' answers. Amen? So children, we can be amazed at some of your answers. All right? You're not on a par with Jesus. But if Jesus gives you insight, then we can be amazed at that truth. All right? Remember the game Linky that I mentioned earlier on in the service? Jesus is the link that makes sense of our lives. That's why his answers are so amazing. That's why his authority is clear for us all to see. Because he is the answer. He provides the answers. He provides the fulfillment. He provides the meaning, the substance, the flesh on the bones. What a wonderful saviour. He completes us. Jesus completes us. He's not, like, he's not like the cherry on the top of the cake, right? You heard that expression? Yeah, the cherry on top. Jesus is not the cherry on top. Jesus is the whole cake, friends. Jesus is the sweetness. He's the substance that holds it together. He's the, he's the icing over the top. He's the, the jam in the middle. He is the cake itself. He is the reason for the season. Have you ever heard that expression? The reason for the season. Jesus isn't just the reason for this season. He's the reason for every season. Amen? Say to people, he's not just the reason for this season. You know that. He's the reason we have any season at all. Praise God. 
Throughout Jesus' life, there are remarkable and mind-blowing demonstrations and proofs of his divinity and authority to rule and to lead. Yet, every time someone attempted to enthrone Jesus as the physical king of Israel, what does he do? He refuses. He slips away from the crowds. Why does he do that? Does that ever puzzle you thinking, Jesus, why did you slip away? You had your moment to just, you know, pow, reveal your glory to the world. Well, the problem is they're trying to fit Jesus into their kind of king. They're trying to fit him into the world's narrative. They're trying to put Jesus in a box. They want him to be that kind of glorious Davidic king. What we must do, friends, is allow him to fit us for his narrative. We must allow Jesus to fit us for his narrative, not try and fit him into ours. This is how he reveals his glory, friends. Jesus must fit us for heaven. We do not fit him to our worldly preferences and patterns. How could we? He alone is God. He is a servant king. Finally, servanthood. As we've already heard this morning, the chief way that Christ serves us is by atoning for our sin, by becoming our sacrifice. But Christ's attitude, his general disposition, his attitude was one of service, reaching out to people and meeting their deep felt needs as well as their deepest spiritual need in order to demonstrate the fullness of his chesed. His chesed. Anyone heard the term chesed before? It's a Hebrew term. Chesed. It means covenant love and faithfulness. It's such a wonderful word. Chesed. Don't get too close to anyone who's who's saying that word because they might spit on you. All right. Chesed. There are many words in the New Testament which are used to describe this word or this uh, love. Agape, love, charity, kindness, goodness. This is what we see when we look at Jesus and his servant kingship. Turn with me uh, once again to Philippians chapter 2. We read, didn't we, of uh, the majesty of Jesus from verse 5. But what does it tell us just before that in verse 3? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Why does Paul say that? Is he just there, you know, is he just there moralizing, saying, okay, to be a good church, this is what we need to do? No, he's saying, he's describing Jesus. He's saying, Jesus has done this, and he calls us to follow him. He calls us to emulate him and to live this out. And so that's what Paul is saying to do, because Jesus is like this. Let's do the same. Let's be the same. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 uh, and verses 10 to 15. 
I hope you're enjoying flipping between different letters. Second Corinthians 8. We read verses 8 and 9. I'm going to read 10 to 15. Paul, halfway through verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 8. Last year, okay, it's quite appropriate because we're almost at the end of a year. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality, as it is written, He who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Paul says, this benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well. Complete doing it. Continue doing your work. When you feel low on energy and low on reserves, turn to Christ. Christ didn't give up when he was in the wilderness for 40 days. He turned to his father and replenished his reserves of energy and carried on fighting, carried on resisting temptation. And so we are here to do that, to remind ourselves that the, uh, Christ was the servant king and that he can empower us to do it as well. In doing all the things that he did, Christ isn't only saying and doing these things to reveal his glory, but also as an example to us, those who would follow after him. Remember he said in John's Gospel, chapter 14 and verse 12, greater things than these will you do because I'm going to my father. He went to his father so he could send the Holy Spirit so we could be empowered and do mighty things. Great things for him and for his glory. Not to sit here just thinking how wonderful grace is with our golden tickets tucked into our back pockets. He has gone to the Father. So how will we shine brighter in 2022? Well, the answer, friend, is by following after Christ and by doing some of the things that he did, empowered by his spirit. Friends, did you know this? We do not belong here. And as I look around, I see a wonderful tapestry. But I see a lot of people who were not born in this country. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. You're welcome here. We love you to be here. Right? But in some ways, you don't feel like you belong here. And that's quite all right, because you don't belong here. I don't belong here. I was born here, and I don't belong here either. Dear friends, 
Eleanor's life taught me this. Our citizenship is elsewhere. When we follow Christ, Jesus calls us to put all our prejudices aside and all the ways of the world, put them aside in order that we might reach others, no matter who they are, no matter what the colour of their skin, no matter where, where their place of birth, no matter what language is their first language. Let's reach others with the good news that sinners can be forgiven in Jesus. So many people come to this land because it's the land of opportunity. It's a land of democracy. It's a land of fairness. Friends, you will only be satisfied in Christ. Nothing this world can offer you will satisfy you. But Christ can. All our hankerings, all our dissatisfaction with the world can be absolutely satisfied in Christ. As Jesus said, those who drink his water will never thirst again. Have you tasted his water? Do you believe his words? Because every word that comes from his mouth is our food and is fully satisfying. Amen? So friends, with this amazing news about Jesus, we can finish this year in peace and face a new year with hope, great hope, and with glad hearts. Shall we bow our heads in prayer?